was waiting for him to take it up one more step there. Next, a little higher there. See if, if Brian and, and Blake could hit that next one up. Amen. <laughs> take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Luke chapter 19. We've been preaching through a series on Sunday mornings that we've titled With All Your Heart. I didn't know what they was going to sing, but really it goes well with our, our message uh, this morning. Luke chapter 19, and we'll begin reading in verse 28. It says, when, And when he had thus spoken, he went before and ascended up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethage and Bethany, at the mount called the, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you. In the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never a man sat. Loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when the, he was come nigh, even now to, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Verse 37 again says, And when he was come nigh even unto the now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples notice, began to rejoice. And praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that, he, or that they had seen. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Praise Him with All Your Heart. And let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the mercies that you have shown unto us. That they do endure throughout the generations and through all eternity. Lord, I thank you this morning for your love and mercy that you have shown in my life. But Lord, in the lives of these, your people... Now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, draw us near unto thee by thy spirit, Lord, and I pray that we would glorify you in this service as we already have tried in song, but even by the preaching of thy word, Lord, may you be glorified and magnified and lifted up. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ their Savior, I pray that this would be that day that they'd receive Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. But Lord, I pray that every Christian here, their heart would be stirred. Lord, to step out for you, to live for you, to serve you, to magnify you. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. We see before us in the scripture here, we see uh, a witness, what we're witnessing here is what is called by many the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This is just a few days before his crucifixion. This has taken place. If we were to list the events uh, uh, as they would take place at this point here, this would be on 
the on on a Sunday as he's going in into the into the uh, the city of Jerusalem. It would be called his triumphal entry. The following day on Monday, he you would find that he goes in and he cleanses the temple, driving the money changers out of the temple and and overturning the tables and and uh, just uh, cleaning out the temple. You might say. On Tuesday, he's in. He's arguing, you might say, or not arguing, but the Jewish leaders are arguing with him. He's in controversy with them, and, and he is giving them the Word of God, and yet they are, are, are pushing back at what he has to say. Wednesday, as we see in the Scripture, there don't seem to be a whole lot, maybe a day of rest of something that takes place in, uh, on that Wednesday. On Thursday, you find that there's the preparation for the Passover and we, we could read about that as he prepares for that Passover. On Friday, you find the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. On Saturday, we find that Jesus, his body is laying rest in a tomb. But then on Sunday, Jesus is raised from the dead. You see, this morning, uh, this being what we call Palm Sunday by many, they express it as Palm Sunday, representing the triumphal entry of, of Jesus, uh, I want to direct your minds to the, to the fact of what took place on that particular Palm Sunday, as, as we call it, or that triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. I want us to look at how that they would praise the Lord and they rejoiced in Jesus Christ that day and all the events that took place there and, and how that that should apply to our lives even today. You see, the Bible is more than just a history book. The, it, it has application to every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, whether, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. There's application, the greatest application that you can have this morning from the Word of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, is that you would take the Word of God and understand that Jesus loved you and He died for you. He rose again that you might have eternal life. But for every born-again Christian, there's application that He applies to our lives. First of all, I want you to look here. Jesus is giving a, another revelation to the Jews here that he's king and that he's the Christ. Look there with me in verse 30 of chapter 19. He says, Saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the, in the which ye at, ye, at your entering ye shall find a colt tied whereon never, no, it says, Yet never man set. No one has ever set upon this colt. It's a donkey. He says, you'll find him there. He says, loose him and bring him thither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had, had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said unto and they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments. No, they cast their garments upon the colt. And they set Jesus uh, uh, thereon. And, as, they, and, and as, they, as he went, they spread their clothes in, in the way. You know, a lot of times we think about a, a donkey, we think of it as a, 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 just a, a lowly animal used for a pack mule or whatever. And, and you don't think much about it. It's not like, you know... Uh, you, don't, you don't hear about people, a lot of people talking about, boy, I've got the finest donkey you've ever seen. <laughs> boy, I tell you what, you ought to look at my donkey. Uh, and you usually don't go to the rodeo and everybody's riding their donkey out there trying to rope something, amen? They're usually on a nice horse, a quarter horse or whatever, a, 
a barrel racing horse and everybody looks at, man, look how sleek that horse is and look, man, and, and, you, and then you see the fox trotters as they begin to trot and they pick up those feet and boy, you look at them and they're majestic looking at those fox trotters. You see the big Clydesdales and how huge and strong they are and beautiful horses. And somebody say, ask nothing, look at my donkey. <laughs> Donkeys were considered lowly by us. But in the day and time in which Jesus was, a donkey was considered a, a picture. And when a man rode on that donkey in, in certain circumstances, they were considered a royal animal. An animal that, that represented a, 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 a king or, or somebody of authority. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but that's the way it was in that day and time. As I said, we think of that as a, a lowly animal, but the Jews, it was a beast fit for a king. So Jesus rolled in on this donkey or this colt while the mother uh, walked long beside it. This colt had never been set upon. In fact, if you begin to think about it, the, the colt never been set upon a uh, it would have been wild. It would, it would not understood that somebody was sitting upon it. Again, showing the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. This, this uh, donkey knew that the creator of the world, the creator uh, that created him was sitting upon his back. Again, this was revealing to the people that Jesus Christ and what he was saying, what he allowed. Up until this point, you never found Jesus being uh, out in the, in the public and, and accepting all the praise and all the glory and, and lifted up as He was at this time. But now you find that He's accepting that. But why He's doing this is so that the others might understand that He is the Creator, that He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the, the one that come to take away the sins of the world. He's also fulfilling the prophecy that's spoken of in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And so it's a fulfillment of the, uh, uh, of the prophecy. And, and, and you would have thought that the that the priest and the Pharisees, knowing the Scripture, could have understood after all the miracles and after everything that had taken place. And now here's Jesus uh, uh, riding into Jerusalem upon this uh, uh, donkey. And, and you would have thought that Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 would have, would have come back to mind, but it didn't to them. With Jesus riding upon the donkey and his garment, then they laid the garments and the palm branches before him as he as he declared to the people that he was royalty, that he was the king. Following as he was going in, people was shouting and praising God. We see the celebration that they spoke of here. Look in verse 37, it says, And when he was come nigh even now to at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of, the, of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in, in heaven and glory and in the highest. Most of you have seen 
ball teams come back from winning a World Series or, or the Super Bowl and they have the big parade and, and uh, they, they're, they're, they're traveling down the, the streets and, and people are shouting and, and people are cheering for their ball team. They're excited about what had taken place. They're excited about their team had won. I remember several years ago in 1976, my brother was in high school and I was a sophomore, but he was, he was a, um, a senior and uh, he was on the A basketball team. I was on the B basketball team. They, they split it up and it's not like it is today. Uh, if you was freshman, sophomore, you played on the, on the B team. If you was junior, senior, you played on the A team. That's just the way it was. <clears throat> But they went to state in a little old town called Piedmont. Uh, Piedmont, you say, oh, preacher, Piedmont, is it very big? Well, you, I mean, you, you, can, you can find the population on both sides of the sign. But anyway, uh, the, the fact of it is, no, Piedmont's not real big, but it's about 2,300, something like that. As a, you know, we had never won state. We'd got, sometimes in regionals got a ways, but we'd never won state. And I remember when we went to state and the boys was to play in that last game they were supposed to play Lynn. And every one of them came down with the flu. And they lost and, and took second place. But everybody was so excited. And they, and they would have. They would have won. They, they almost won it even being sick. At halftime they went in and they was throwing up and everything come back out, got on the court and played. And they just could barely go on. But I remember in that little old town, you would have thought that the president come through. And I, there was people lined up and down the street, and they was, they was clapping, and they was hollering for those boys as they come back into Piedmont. Folks, can I tell you something? That this day, when Jesus Christ came riding into Jerusalem, people were so excited that they took their garments off, the Bible says, and they, they laid them in front of that donkey and let that donkey ride across their clothes. They cut, we go to the other gospels and, and find that they cut branches off of palm trees and, and laid them down in the path so that Jesus Christ had a highway made by their hands of clothes and branches as he rode into town. They was, by taking their clothes off and laying it before him and allowing him to ride across that, they're saying that he is Lord over us, he is king. And they was proclaiming that Jesus Christ was the king of glory. The problem is, is that they were excited. But in their thinking, what they were thinking about, and even Brother Davison spoke of this a little bit, they didn't understand that he, he wasn't going to set up an earthly kingdom. He wasn't here to put down the Romans and, and to exalt Israel back to the state that it was when David and, and, and Solomon were kings of Israel. But he came to die. Came to die that we might have eternal life. It was a celebration. It was a celebration moved that, that moved the religious crowd even and moved uh, uh, those uh, Pharisees and them. It caused them to say, the whole world's turning unto him. We've got to stop him. The Pharisees and all watched as they were shouting and they was praising God and thanking the Lord for, for, for Jesus Christ. And Luke 13. 1939 says, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Said, stop them. They're declaring that you're a king. They're declaring that you're something. They're declaring that you're the, the Messiah. Stop them. 
is because of the jealousy that the people were following, because they were following Jesus Christ and they decried it. In John chapter 12 and verse 19, it says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. It's gone after him. And they were jealous. But understand this. This was on purpose. Jesus allowed this to happen. And the reason that he allowed it to happen is because it, it struck such a nerve in the Pharisees and the religious crowd. It, it caused them to move quicker and to bring him about to be crucified. Here we are. It's on the first day of the week, Sunday. In just a few days, they'll take him. They'll crucify him. They'll lay him in a borrowed tomb. A week just like this. A day just like this. A day when people were rejoicing in him and the others were seeking to kill him. You see, this world still struggles when Jesus is lifted up and when he's glorified before them. It's envy, it's jealousy in their hearts that it comes from Satan as he hates to hear and to see Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, glorified. Can I tell you this morning that Satan does not like it when you get up and when you sing praises to the, to the name of the Lord? Oh, he hates it. Satan hates it when you get up and you brag on the Lord what he's done in your life and give testimony of, of how he saved your soul. He hates it. Satan hates it when you get up and you brag on the Lord how that he answered prayer and done great and mighty things in your life and the lives of those around. Satan hates it. Satan hates it when you come together like this in a crowd to, to hear the preaching of God's word and to, and to sing songs and to lift him up and to magnify him. Satan hates it. The world hates it. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. My friend, that should never stop us. It ought to stir our hearts to continue to go on and to praise Him, to lift Him up and to magnify Him before a lost world. This is what kind of took place, and we could go into more depth if we had the time there, but I want us to take this, what we've seen this morning, I want to come back here, and I want us to apply it now, and I want us to look at what God has for us here. I want you to see what was took place and how that that uh, how he came into Jerusalem and how that they worshipped him and how that they praised his name and how they glorified him. They didn't completely understand, but yet they worshipped him and lifted him up. First of all, I want you to consider the loosing of the colt. Look back there in verse 29. And it came to pass that when he was come nigh to Bethage and Bethany and at the, mount, uh, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent to of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, into which ye are entering. Ye shall find a colt tied thereon, where, uh, thereon, whereon uh, yet never man sat. Loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them, and as they had, were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. Many times people think, Well, that was, you know, that was, he probably had, and, and there's a lot of different thoughts on that as far as 
Was it planned? Had Jesus already spoke to, to this man who had this colt and that he would have need of him at some point? And that he would send somebody? Or was it just something that, was, that, that, that the Lord had just said that there's going to be a colt there and you'll find him there and go there and if they say anything, just tell them that the master has need of him and, and they'll let you bring him. I believe that would be the latter there. I believe that the Lord, with His foreknowledge and, and dealing with hearts, and I believe that these were probably uh, the ones that the owners of the, uh, of the, of the cult, uh, the, the donkey, was, was probably disciples, those who had heard Jesus preach and, and had been following Him. And so it was no problem for them to say, okay, go ahead and, and take the donkey with you. That would be fine. But I want you to look there that the donkey was tied. The colt was tied. And they had to loose him in order to bring him to Jesus and, and to be used in this procession, to be used in this celebration. This colt was tied and couldn't go anywhere or do anything until he was loosed. Could I say that this morning there are those who are tied that need to be loosed? There's those this morning and very possibly even in this auditorium sitting here this, this morning that you're tied and, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Oh, you may have made some type of little prayer or you may have made some type of little, you may have been through the baptistry, you might have joined a church, but in true reality, your heart has never been loosed. You've never been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the need this morning is for you to be loosed and to, that, the, that the Master might use you, that uh, you might receive Christ as your Savior and that He might come into your life. Uh, Jesus, He said upon that little donkey, hey, my friend, I want you to know something. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, He comes into your heart. Yes. Bound by this world, bound by sin. Bound by the things that will keep you from receiving Him. I remember before I got saved, uh, uh, I remember the Lord dealing with my heart that I was lost and I needed to get saved and I was under conviction. And I remember so well, uh, especially in, in one of the services, I was sitting on the back row, sitting next to a, a girlfriend and my team friends down the, the aisle there, or down the, the pew there. We were sitting there, and, and I remember a lady turning around and looking me right in the eye and saying, uh, and I had to hold the back of the pew, and man, I knew I needed to get saved. I knew I was lost, and she looked me in the eye and she said, would you like to go forward and get saved? And I said, no, I'm all right. And on the inside, there was a war going on. I honestly felt like she could probably see my heart beating through my shirt because I, I could feel it. It was going. And I needed to be loosed. But you know what had me tied? My friends. The fear that I had because I had told them that I was saved. The fear of what they might think. The fear of what people might say. The fear of those around me. And I was tied with that. But I remember in the middle of May, on a Wednesday night uh, uh, in 1975, uh, uh, sitting over on the other side, again sitting with my friends and, and, and a girlfriend that, that I had, and, and, and sitting there in, in that service. And, and, and I can't even tell you what the preacher preached on that night. I really can't. I was under so much conviction, all I could think about that I'm going to die and go to hell. 
And I finally came to a place of saying, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not going to hell for nobody. Remember getting up out of that, that pew and going forward and receiving Christ as my Savior. But until I was loosed, I was bound by sin and the Satan had his, his, his hooks in me and I, I needed to be loosed. My friend, this morning you may be sitting here, you may be good, you may be religious, but, but my friend, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you don't know if you was to die today that you go to heaven, you need to be loose this morning. You need to be set free from that. Hey, listen, we, you got to understand that, that Jesus Christ came that you might be set free. Some are held by Satan, lost without hope. You need to be set free. In fact, John 8, 36 says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Free indeed. But not just the lost are tied. The Christians are tied many times. They need to be loosed. They need to be loosed. There's Christians tied up this morning, unable to carry the Savior to the lost world. That Donkey, he carried the Savior into town. He took him before not only those who were saved, but before others who said, who is this? And we don't understand, but he carried him in. Hey, listen, you and I, we need to be loose so that we can carry Jesus Christ to a lost world. That they might see Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the the King of kings, and, and the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. Many are not enjoying your, their Christian life. There's no real joy in their heart. There's no hosanna to the king in your speech or, or the demonstration of your daily life. There's no shout there, that, no excitement about the things of God. You're, you're bound, you're tied, you, and you need to be loosed. Hunter, come here. Say, why'd you pick Hunter? I don't know, just pick him. I was thinking about putting it around your neck instead. <laughs> I'll put it around your hands. Most donkeys are tied around the neck, not the feet. <laughs> and see, I didn't even tie it tight. I, that's, a, that's a slip knot, and it, it'll come. And so what ha- Okay, Jenny, let's go home and eat. <clears throat> Tied. You say, preacher, that's so ridiculous. No. There's people sitting in this room right now that you're just like that. You're tied. You're tied to this world. You're tied to self. You're tied to, to the events and things of this world that's keeping you from walking free and living for Jesus Christ keeping you from bringing honor and glory. Some of you say, well, preacher, I'm at church. You know why it's amazing we can get in church and I can look out here and people are getting excited about God and praising the Lord and I can see some tied. Tied. You couldn't enjoy God for anything. Why? Because you're tied. Tied by sin. Tied by this world. Tied by by yourself. Tied. And you, you need to be set free. The problem is, is that you, yeah, you got, you, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, but uh, you're still tied up. 
What you're needing is you're needing to get loose so that you can take Jesus Christ to, to, to this world and, and begin to proclaim that He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and begin to rejoice and enjoy the things of God. Why is it that some people can sit in a service and say, Amen, preacher, it's good preaching. Oh, I love it. Oh, the Lord's so good to me. And others can sit there and like, I'll tell you why. I'm not saying everybody's exactly the same. But many times it's because we are tied, afraid of what, somebody sitting on the road, on the road. And I'm not saying everybody has to clap, but boy, it sure is funny when we sing, swing, when we sing one of those songs and people start clapping and, and you look at someone and they're like. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to clap. Don't get me wrong. But boy, your expression sometimes is like. <laughs> and that's all right. But what I'm saying is, hey, listen, many Christians are that way about everything, about the preaching of God's word. You can get up and say, hey, listen, we had three folks saved last week uh, during this uh, a meeting with uh, uh, Brother Davison and some people are like. You say, man, I tell you what, let me share with you what God's doing in my heart and life. And you tell what God's doing. It's like. They're tied. Not enjoying God. You can sing some songs and I mean it move your heart. And some people they are. They're tied. Tied. You get around people and, and, and maybe they're with you and you begin to, to tell someone about Jesus Christ or talk about the Lord and it gets real stiff. They're tied. But boy, I'll tell you what. That day, that disciple got him. Man, he led him over there. I told you you should put it around your neck. They took off their, their robes and they put it on him. And they put Jesus on him. And man, I tell you what, then they, he was loose. They said, now you can walk and the Savior's on you. And you just go right on down. And people laid their clothes in the path and they, they laid the, the palm branches in the path. And, and that donkey, he was, he was enjoying it, man. I tell you what, he, he was going down through there. Why? Because he was loose. And he was carrying the King of Kings. Amen. You know what you got when you got saved? You got the King of Kings. Do you know what happened when, when you got saved? You got snatched from the pits of hell. Your residence is heaven now. Well, I'm kind of glad of that. No. There ought to be some rejoicing. Hey, listen, you got set free from, from the penalty of sin. You got set free from, from death and hell. You got set free from, from all this world and the wickedness. When you received Christ your Savior, you got set free from that. Amen. But my friend, did you get set free from yourself in this world after you got saved? Did you get loosed? Well, I'll tell you what, some of you sitting here, you, you need to be loosed. Well, preacher, they came and got him. Jesus came and got you. They came and got him. Yeah, but Jesus went and looked for you. And he's the one that set you free. He loosed you. Thank you, Hunter. 
And so many times we fail to realize that we've been loosed, loosed from the penalties of sin. You see, a lot of times today when people begin to talk about the Lord and begin, you know, probably some people thought last week, well, you went to church Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and you're going to be back in church on Sunday and Sunday night? It's like, like these people saying, why loose you? Why loose you the, the, the cult? And they're saying, why, 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 why are you getting excited about the things of God? Why are you getting stirred? Why are you, why are you singing those songs uh, 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 all the time? Why, why are you uh, uh, telling people about Jesus Christ? Why are you turning loose of the things of this world? Why don't you go and do the things you used to do? I'll tell you why. Because it used to keep you tied. Why, 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 don't you, why don't you enjoy doing this anymore? Because that had me tied. Well, why don't you do this? Because it had me tied. And I got loose one day. And my friend, I'm not saying that, that there's things that comes in our lives at times that ties us back up a little bit. But my friend, you come to Jesus Christ, he'll set you free. Amen. Our response should always be, as they responded, they said, the Lord hath need of him. You realize that when he sets you free, when he loosed you, he had need of you? He said, I want to use you. Can you imagine? I don't, that, that, that donkey that day, he probably picked that head up. Probably wasn't like that dog I used to have. We used to have a dog named Tippy. He had one ear up like this and one down like this. I imagine that donkey, he's there that day, he had both of them up. And that, boy, he's probably swinging that tail. Why? Because he was carrying Jesus Christ. Amen. Christian, do you realize who you're carrying? Do you realize who you're carrying today if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior? My friend, if you'll begin to realize who you're carrying, it'll loose you. It'll give you some freedom in your life to, to live for Him and bring honor and glory to His name. The Lord has need of us to be with Him and to walk for Him. Our lives uh, that are, are loosed are to be with the Lord uh, and it'll point others to Jesus Christ. It ought to point and say, Hosanna, He's the King of our lives. He has a purpose and a plan that can only be fulfilled in our lives when we are loosed and He sits upon the throne of our lives. In Luke 19, 34 and 35, he says, And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the coat, and they set Jesus thereon. My friend, your life has been set upon by Jesus Christ. Then there should come forth a celebration like did that day, and rejoicing from our hearts when we've been, set, when we've been loosed. There was, a, there was cause to rejoice that day as that donkey entered Jerusalem, Notice there in verse 37, the latter part says, Began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In Mark chapter 11, verse 9 says, And they... 
that went before and, and they that set and they and they that follow cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They had seen and heard of the many great works of Jesus Christ. They laid their clothes in the way as a part of that path. So much more how we need to live our lives and lay our lives before the Lord that He might, that he might show others uh, how to be saved, that they can have forgiveness of sin. More and more should we rejoice and praise Him with all of our heart, not just part of our heart. The reason that we don't is because we're tied. We need to be loose so that we can give all of our heart to the Lord, not just a little bit of it. The psalmist said in Psalms 86, 12 and verse 12 and 13, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Boy, there's enough right there to shout forever. God has saved me from the lowest hell. Well, there ought to be glory in our hearts. How could you not praise Him with your whole heart when you consider what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to? The psalmist said in Psalms 9, 1 and 2, he says, I will praise Thee, Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all Thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy, to thy name, O Thou Most High. When you see the work of God, when you see the hand of God in your life, in the lives of those around you, I could stand here and for the rest of the day and begin to tell you the mighty works of God that I've seen in my life, whether it be in my life or in the lives of others, how He's saved lives, how He's changed lives, how He's done great and mighty things that, that people thought not possible, how He's even healed and, and done great works and marvelous things that, that man cannot do or take credit for. Oh, how I need to praise Him with all my heart. Likewise today, our lives should shout forth Hosanna. and We should rejoice and praise the Lord publicly as they did the marvelous works of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. He said it's comely. You, want, you say, well, I don't know what that is. What, what do you mean comely? It means that it's right. It means that it looks good. It means that it's the, the thing that we're supposed to do. It's comely for us to do. It's the right thing for you and I. That we would praise Him, that we would glorify Him. It says, praise the Lord with harp and sing unto Him with the psaltery and the instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them that were by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depths in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. My friend, you get loose from yourself. You get loose from this old world. You'll stand in awe of what God's doing. This half-hearted Christianity and this half-hearted praise and rejoicing in the Lord brings no glory to His name. Some this morning may need to be loosed in salvation and truly receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some this morning may need to be loosed 
so that you can be that disciple indeed that Brother Sam spoke of and preached on this week. Christian, when you get loosed of self, you can't help but carry the name of Jesus everywhere you go. And shout the praises of His goodness and the marvelous works. Look here, and I'm closing with this. Look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto Him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Otherwise, do you know what he's saying? Time up. Don't let them say anything. But look what Jesus said. Verse 4, he said, He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would immediately cry out. I don't know about you, but I don't want a rock praising God for me. I don't want a rock to take my place in worshiping God. I don't want a rock to take, take my place in, in rejoicing in what He has done in my life. I don't want a rock to take my place in telling others uh, about the wonderful salvation that, that, he, that He has given us and the, how He saved my soul. I don't want a rock to take my place. But my friend, you're going to have to be loosed. How you do that, preacher? Good place starts on your knees. You know, Jesus Christ, your Savior, come, let us take a Bible. And we can show you through the Bible how you can be loosed and receive Christ as your Savior. But Christian, you need to get loose. Why don't you turn your heart to Jesus Christ? Won't you yield your life to Him? Ask Him to set you free from the sins that's holding you back. Ask Him to set you free from self and, and worries and fears of this world. From the doubts and the, the struggles that Satan comes and attacks you with. My friend, He'll loose you. Don't let a rock cry out for you. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies of God. Thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for so great a salvation in Jesus Christ. As I look at this picture of Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem, this triumphal entry, I think in my life, Lord, how that he came into my life, that triumphal entry into my life, Lord, and I thank you for saving my soul. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd help me never to be bound into this flesh and into this world and into sin. But, Lord, you, you wanted to, to come in and upon us, Lord, that we might take you to this world, even as that little donkey did that day. Lord, that they might see that you're the King of kings and that you're the Lord of lords and that you're King of our lives, that you're our God, and you deserve honor and glory. Have your will and way, Lord, in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed this morning?